These are some of the people who've been baptized here in the last few months, and some of them are here this morning. And what a day to celebrate that Jesus Christ gives new life, that he is Lord, but also that he's the living Lord. I hope you've sensed his presence already this morning. He is with us, the risen Jesus Christ. Here we are celebrating. Last year, 10 of us gathered. Literally, 10 of us gathered to live stream a service out who knows where. Some of you were on the other side of that live stream. But here we are a year later. Jesus is still Lord. He's still alive. And we still put our trust in him. Amen? Amen. So welcome home to everyone. Some of you I know are here for the first time in quite some time, maybe for a year. So welcome home to you and Welcome, everyone, as we celebrate this marvelous, marvelous Easter. You know, some people think that Christians just casually and easily believe in the resurrection, as if we're the only people in the world that don't think it's pretty amazing that someone would rise again from the dead. You know, as if we think it's just some small thing, that we don't, we don't need any assurance that it's actually true. And a lot of people think the early disciples were like that, that they, they were so eager to believe that Jesus was alive that they'd believe any kind of, any kind of hallucination that it somehow pointed to Christ having been raised from the dead. But that's really not the way it was. In fact, the disciples were like people through every age. They figured when people died, they stayed dead. No one rose again from the dead. They heard about Jesus having appeared first to the women, then to some other disciples, including Peter himself. They heard it, but they weren't sure they believed it. And Luke tells us in Luke chapter 24 that the disciples were gathered together and Jesus suddenly stood among them. He said, peace to you. And the Bible says they were terrified. The Lord speaks peace, they're terrified because what they see, they think, is a ghost. They had a hard time taking it in that Jesus Christ was truly raised from the dead, and yet he was. And when Luke tells us about Christ and his resurrection, he tells us some interesting details about what happened. If you've read the Gospels, you know they don't all say exactly the same thing. They each tell the same story from their own perspective. And they'll, they'll add little points of detail that bring out wonderful truths. And Luke does that in his account of these events. In fact, he tells us something that no other Gospel writer tells us, but it conveys a truth that is life-changing if you take it to heart. It's found in Luke chapter 24. There's a picture here of what God is like and what God has done and does even in this current day in verses 50 and 51. It says, when Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethlehem, of, excuse me, let's try this again. He's talking to all his disciples. When Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Do you notice that? It was while he was blessing them 
that he left. He's taken up into heaven. We know from the book of Acts that this cloud of God's glory enveloped him. He was taken away at that moment. But only Luke tells us that at the very moment that Christ ascends to the right hand of the Father, where he rules and reigns forever as Messiah, Christ at that moment had lifted his hands like a high priest and pronounces a blessing on his disciples. That's the last thing he does before he's taken into heaven. This is the culmination of his entire ministry. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He reached out to those who were untouchable, according to the respectable people of the time. He continued in his ministry until it brought him to a cross where he was nailed to that beam on Calvary. All this happened to Christ in order that he could reach this point of raising his hands and pronouncing a blessing upon his people. That's the purpose of God. The blessing of God brings blessedness to the human heart. It brings well-being, bone-deep well-being, not just a superficial happiness, but God's blessing makes you come alive. And that's what Christ did, and that's what Christ left us. This tells us something about God something that so many people don't know, and that is that God is unambiguously good and gracious. All the time, good and gracious. There's not a hard place in God's heart. There's not a dark corner in His being. There's not an ungracious portion in His character. Far from that, God is always a good and gracious God. And as the disciples see Jesus, hands lifted, pronouncing a blessing on his disciples, then he's taken into heaven. So it is that the blessing of Christ is pronounced on his disciples even now and forever. That's why we can celebrate. Because the risen Christ blesses us. Now, not everybody experiences that. We all know that. Not everybody is a disciple of Jesus, so not everyone experiences this blessing and this blessedness that I'm talking about. But it isn't because the Lord is holding back. That's important to understand. It's not as if Jesus doesn't extend the blessing. It's not as if he's holding people at arm's length. It's not as if he's turned his back on anyone. Rather, we turn our back on him. His hands are extended to bless, and yet we turn our backs to that blessing. Jesus himself said this. He was teaching the teacher in Israel, a man named Nicodemus. Look what he says about his own mission. He said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God didn't send Jesus to find fault with people, to identify their sins and judge them for it, to cast them aside when they fail to live for God as they should. Jesus was not sent to condemn the world, but instead to save the world through him. That's what God was doing, to save the world through the Son. He sent Jesus to save. The word save means, among other things, healing that Jesus came to make us whole, or he came 
to bring us blessedness. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Why? Because they're sinners? No, we're all sinners. They're condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. In other words, they've turned their back away. God's heart is not hard toward anyone. It's like Christ is the Son, and when we turn our back to the Son, we walk into our own shadow. And there are people walking in shadows every day, not because God is holding back, but because they have turned away. Maybe you have turned away, and you've traveled a long way, and you feel very distant from God, and you've lived in shadows a long, long time. The truth is, no matter how far you fear from, feel like you are from God, if you'll just turn around, Right where you are, just turn around. Christ is there. He's there. You don't have to go on a long journey to find him. Just turn around right where you are, and Christ is there. Not the one who's come to judge you, but the one who's come to save you. The one who entered heaven with his hands lifted, pronouncing a blessing. He'll bless your life as well. Now, this is, this is good news for anyone, but sometimes even Christians have trouble accepting this because, you know, we're talking about Christ blessing us and the blessedness that comes from it, the well-being that comes into our life, the wholeness, the healing. And we think, you know what, that doesn't describe my life. What describes my life are many, many troubles, many failures, sins, disappointments, and there are Christians that have turned their back, at least for a time, on the Lord because it seems, that, it seems that God has forgotten them. God has let them down. They thought that if they did their best to follow God, that everything would go well. They thought this blessedness would be complete, immediate, full, and forever. And instead, they found trouble. And so they don't understand, and, and their hearts... There's a, there's a scar there. It's from the pain and the disappointment and the hurt, the confusion. You're not quite sure that you can trust God the way you once did because of what you've been through. And what you need to know, what you need to know is that whatever hardness might be in your heart, it's not mirrored in the heart of God. Picture Jesus, his hands uplifted, blessing his people. God's heart is not hard to you, and you also, if you will but turn right where you are, will find Christ who will bless you. Here's what you have to remember. The one who raised his hands to bless us had nail scars on those hands. The one who blesses, he's been raised, yes, but he's the crucified who has been raised. Christ has known what suffering involved. He knew that in his own life. And so it's the one who has suffered who blesses. Never are we promised that we won't suffer, that we won't struggle, that we won't have problems, but 
there's a blessing from the crucified one in the midst of it and through it. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The people who have been hit so hard by life that they're humbled before it. He says, the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, who shed tears of grief and sorrow and frustration. They will be comforted, he says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why would you hunger and thirst for something except that you lack it? You lack the righteousness that you desire. It's not just the problems outside you, it's the trouble in your own soul. Blessed, Jesus says, are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. The promise of God is that his blessing rests on you even when it looks like the world has turned against you as if providence is frowning down upon you. Listen, don't interpret God's mind, God's perspective on your life, God's feelings toward you. Don't judge where God's coming from based on what happens. Instead, keep in your mind this image of Christ with his hands extended and his blessing conferred as he's taken into heaven where he rules and reigns. Remember that. Because the living Christ is with you even through those dark valleys. You heard people sing this morning, didn't you? Did you hear the singing? Did you hear how people lifted up their, their praises to God? There's this note of celebration because Jesus is alive. You heard that in this room. The people gathered here are worshiping Christ, the risen one, the risen Lord, the one who has blessed them through everything. Do you know who's singing like that? If you're tempted to think that God is against you and God won't help you and bless you and take you through your difficult days, do you know who was just singing like that? I can tell you, because I know people in this church, and I can tell you some of them have lost children unexpectedly, tragically. People in this room have been through divorce. People in this room have suffered from family violence. Sometimes women, sometimes children. People, people in this room have been sexually abused as children. They suffer from debilitating diseases that threaten their life. People in this room have failed in business, have tried desperately to keep their, you know, keep the money coming so that they can just provide for their family. That's the reality in this room. There are people in this room who have struggled with alcohol and drug addiction and sex addiction. Many have overcome it by the blessing and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, but some are struggling with it still, even now, holding on to Christ, trying to press through. There is no problem, no problem common to humanity that isn't represented by somebody in this church. What people have gone through, it's tough. We have people in this church that have served time in prison. We have people in this church whose family won't talk to them, either because they've accepted Christ 
or sometimes it's because they've got a history where they've hurt people so badly. I don't want to hear what you have to say. There are people in this church that have, have, have seen dark days, and yet, did you hear people sing? Did you hear them celebrate the fact that Christ is alive? How could they do that except they have experienced the crucified who is raised, who in the midst of the trouble brings his sustenance, his grace, his mercy, his help. Think about Psalm 23. It says that sometimes we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a Hebrew idiom. It means to walk through the deepest, darkest valley. Some of you have walked through dark places. But what does the psalmist say? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil because my rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The Lord is with me through it all. That's what the psalmist is saying. Then he gets to the end and he says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the one who just got through talking about going through a dark valley. But he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. The Hebrew verb is much stronger than that English translation, to follow me. It's actually a verb that speaks of someone pursuing an enemy or pursuing prey. Goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy will hunt me down all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's spoken by someone who's gone through difficult times. This faith, this faith is rooted in the blessing that Christ has given that gives us the assurance that God is with us through everything. That's the faith we have. Some of you were here uh, three and a half years ago. I know not all of you were, but three and a half years ago, my brother was killed. He was shot by a man for the cash in my brother's wallet. That's why he was shot. So three and a half years later, the trial's been scheduled and put off, scheduled and put off time and again. It looks like it might be in April, but we don't know. We don't know. What a traumatic, terrible time that was for Dale's wife, Kim, and for his four children. What a trauma. I remember still when I was in my office, Linda came in. It was just before the Wednesday night service. And she came in and it looked like she'd seen a ghost and she sat down and she didn't quite know how to tell me. The word had come into the church. And so she was here and she delivered the news. And she told me that Dale had been shot. We go down to Baton Rouge in order to be there with the family and I actually was doing the service. I met with Kim and the children before that service and I asked them what do you want me to say to people I mean I had things I wanted to say but what what do you want me to say well they had a lot that they wanted to say 
They loved their dad. They were proud of their dad. They were deeply, deeply touched by the numbers of people, scores of people. I don't know how many, hundreds, I guess, that came to the, the visitation and then later to the funeral and, and told them how much they admired their dad and, and um, how much they uh, believed in him and knew that he followed Christ. So all of that was going on. But I asked them, what do you want me to say? And one of his daughters, Amelia, said this. I want you to tell people that Jesus is with us. That we, that we have the Lord holding us up. She said, our hearts are broken, but we're not broken. The Lord is with us. That's what she wanted me to say. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though my heart might be broken, I'm not broken because the resurrected Christ, the crucified one, lives forever and pronounces his blessing on me. And that blessing will see me through. The same power that raised him from the dead, that conquered the tomb, provides a blessing for me. A blessing that will one day overtake and conquer every trouble, every heartbreak, every tragedy, every sin that's in my life. And so I can say, my heart may be broken, but I'm not broken. The gist of what I shared at his service was something that I knew instantly the Lord had given me. It just dropped it in my heart. I've shared it with you before. It just came to me, and I knew this was the message. God is good. Grace is real. All is well. How can you say all is well? Your brother was just murdered. How do you say all is well? Nothing is well. But actually, my brother was with Jesus Christ in glory with him. People were gathered to give thanks to God for the light that was in his life. The blessing of Christ was on him and was on his family and has been on his family since then. It hasn't been easy, but his blessing was on them. All is well because all will be well. God is unambiguously good and gracious. There's no dark corner. There's no hardness toward you or toward anyone. There's this extension of love. And all we have to do is turn to him and trust that. Listen, if you're a parent, you need to teach this to your children. You really do. You need to teach it to your children. You need to teach them that they are not to expect that if they do everything right, life's going to be smooth and easy for them. You don't teach them that because God hasn't promised it and you shouldn't promise it. All that will do all that will do will break their hearts and cause confusion and hurt when things don't work out. 
and, and they're in pain. What you do is you tell them, never mind whatever happens. Know that Jesus Christ's uplifted hands are there above you and that Christ blesses you from heaven. You live under the blessing of Christ. Let me tell you what that does. That gives a child grit and resilience because they know that if Christ is with me, I can do anything. And we all need, we all need to know that. Life is just hard. Someone said that to me last week. She just said, you know, life is just hard. The backdrop of it all was, was, you know, struggling with ourselves. You know, we're not all that we want to be. And, and our families are not all we want them to be. And our dreams don't get all, you know, they don't, they're not all fulfilled. You know, all our goals, they're not achieved. Life's just hard. Yes, but Christ is alive and present. And I don't know how to put this into words, but if you've experienced it, you know what I'm saying. Many of you have. That's why you were singing like you were singing. I don't know just how to say it, but in the midst of all of it, in the darkest valley, Jesus is present. Jesus is present, and his blessing is real. I want to close reading one scripture to you. It's a familiar passage, so I'm going to read it from an unfamiliar translation. Sometimes that helps us to hear it, to understand it, to take it home. Would you go ahead and put Romans 8 up for me? Paul writes, in face of all this, what is there left to say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that did not hesitate to spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, can we not trust such a God to give us with him everything else that we can need? Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble, pain, or persecution, can lack of clothes and food, danger to life and limb, the threat of force of arms? No, in all these things we win an overwhelming victory through him who has proved his love for us. I have become absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, neither messenger of heaven nor monarch of earth, neither what happens today nor what may happen tomorrow, neither a power from on high nor a power from below nor anything else in God's whole world has any power to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? We are a people blessed of God. That blessing will carry us triumphantly over every trouble, every trial, every sin, every shortcoming, every unexpected event that alters the course of things. God's blessing is on us. And our lives will be good. Not always easy, but good. That's what you want, right? That's what we all want. I don't want at my funeral for people to say, oh, you know what? His life was perfect. Everything went great. He was always happy. I wish my life was like his. 
I want people to say he knew God. And more importantly, God knew him and blessed him. And through it all, he remained faithful to God. I want to live a good life, a life that's significant, that's meaningful, that pleases my Lord, that is a blessing to my family. And if I have to walk through hell to do it, That's okay. That's okay. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, how you have blessed us in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many things we want, but Lord, what we want most of all and need most of all is your favor poured out upon us. And here we are, a favored people, a blessed people. Lord, some of us need to just turn around right now. We've had our back to you and we've been walking into our own shadow and we've been doing it too long. Lord, give us grace to just turn around. And Lord, for all of us, we pray that you would so fill us with an awareness of your presence and your life and your power that we can live as your people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.